It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stratycast. My name is Dale, your host, and I'm joined again by Mike. Mike, we're going to discuss the last week or so in the Premier League, of course. It's been another positive one for Manchester United. Training the win over Brighton, which I think we'd all be very happy with the performance. We're going to look into that because I think it's just it's a nice sight at the moment to watch Manchester United push teams aside. I think a problem this season, pretty much throughout the campaign, has been playing the lesser teams against top six. Record speaks for itself. Social has a tremendous record against top teams, but we haven't been putting teams away. Now that we have, it looks like a unit in midfield. It looks like a a, a proper tree now. It looks like he's just, he's decided on who his best midfielder. I think there's been massive, quick signs of improvement. Mike, the game against Brighton, we just dominated throughout, right? Yeah, we did. Um, I mean, maybe took our foot off the gas a little bit in the last 25 minutes, 20 minutes. But this is to be expected. That's allowed. That's I think your, when you're 3-0 when up, and there was yeah. also the sense that they, if, if say, Brighton has scored, I would have had the sense that I think United would have just upped the pace again and gone and got a fourth goal. Um so I don't even think, you know, Dehaye made a couple of decent stops, but it was easily the best performance out of the four games since coming back from the lockdown, for sure. Um, players were excellent, but really fluid. Um, we looked like we had different ways of breaking teams of breaking teams down now, which we didn't have before. Um, so it's really coming together. As I said on last week's show, we can see now, there's the makings of a very, very good team there. Just got to add a 
couple of players in the right areas of the field. And, um, you know, you look at it, we'll get into this if we talk about the top four race, but I, I think there's, there's, there's no reason United should not be aiming for third spot now and should not be aiming to have a top three spot nailed down next season either. I know we're going to talk a bit more about the performance and who stood out for United, but just in this race for top four, you briefly touched on it, and it was after Chelsea played City. I was very confident before that I thought City were going to take three points from Chelsea. It didn't happen. I thought that was a bit of a setback, and I couldn't really quite see where this Chelsea team, which looked really rejuvenated, were going to drop their points. Um, West Ham were brilliant. The full credit to David Moyes. They, they kept going. They had a goal disallowed at the very start. Maybe controversial. I think it was the right decision, though. I thought the, the, the West Ham player lying on the ground was obstructing play for the goalkeeper. Uh, misfortunate, I think, with the position in which it happened. But it, I think the goal was right to be disallowed. But the race in top four, you see Leicester dropping points too. And all of a sudden, it's so open up. It's like You mentioned third place. It's not just third place isn't a minor hope for Manchester United. It's a real possibility if they can keep this farm up. And the next test is huge. I know we're talking about Bournemouth uh, struggling at the moment in the relegation zone. But the next test is massive in a, in a mental aspect for Manchester United. They're doing so well now. They're coasting. Can they keep it up? Can they get to the finish line and get that third place, fourth place spot? You know, it's massive. I think it, this this running, um, you're looking at, I believe, before we started recording, um, it's very much in favour of Manchester United. Yes, there's still some tricky games in there. You know, you would look at obviously Bournemouth presents its own pro- presents their own problems because they're they're wanting to stay in the league. I think Southampton is another one that could be tricky. Um, and you know Palace away as well but these are all games we should be winning and really and, and that's the difference I think that we've seen not just since coming back from the lockdown but I think um, the run of what nine or ten games we had leading up to the, the initial shutdown um, that uh, we were now finding ways to beat these teams lower down the table which we weren't doing before you know, and yeah, third is something we third place is something we should absolutely be going for now. It's a very, very realistic possibility. We put ourselves into the right position um, going into that last game of the season against Leicester. There's no reason we can't get third place. Absolutely no reason. It's three points, Dale. It's a one-game turnaround for us to get third. Leicester's form has fallen off a cliff. I actually think... Uh, I can't remember, I think Chelsea have lost more games than us this season. So, um, the, and I, I've felt this a few times um, with Chelsea. You know, everyone's talking about the players that they're bringing in for next season. But you saw in the West Ham game, as you saw in the games when we played against them, defensively, extremely poor. And also their midfield in transition is shocking. Like, yeah, it's not even a case of, because um, West Ham did this, um, you know, we've, we've done it against, I've seen a number of teams do this against Chelsea. It's not even a case if you can pass through the midfield when you're going into transition. You can basically just walk the ball through the middle of the pitch. It's incredible, really. So they've got a lot of problems that they need to sort out. I still think Frank Lampard defensively is incredibly naive. I think something that Ole really tried to do with United this season, and I think it's showing now, 
in this run-in is that he wanted to make United a more uh, defensively solid team, I think. And I think you see that. United's defence has actually been pretty good this year. One of the best defences in the league. Um, and I think I look at that running, you've got Bournemouth next. Obviously, we need to win that. If we win that, we really start putting the pressure onto Chelsea and, and Leicester then. Um, and, and just keep pressing it on. I mean, I was looking at the other teams' uh, runnings. I mean, uh, Wolves are kind of uh, still in and around there as well. Uh, but Wolves have got like, They've got Sheffield United away. Chelsea have to go and play Sheffield United away as well. And I, I was a little concerned about Sheffield United's form and then they just absolutely murdered Tottenham, didn't they? In that game yesterday. They had to respond. Them. They had to respond because the the return back to since Project Restart has been awful. For a team Yeah, and that, and Chris Wilder is a man that sets very high standards, I think, yeah. as well. So he was never gonna let that slip. Um, but they've got other difficult games as well. You know, I mean, the last game of the season for Chelsea is Wolves. Chelsea and Wolves. Now, ordinarily you'd say, yeah, it's Chelsea at home, but home and away doesn't really matter when you don't have crowds. Um, you've also got the fact that, you know, I think a couple of these teams are playing Everton, who suddenly look a completely different proposition. I think since Carlo Ancelotti's come in there, they look a more solid team, they look more difficult to play against. So it's really opened up for United. I think, I look at it and think, if we finish third or fourth, and we can win a trophy this season. We've had a good season. I think yeah. the circumstances, the chaos, it's a really good sounding board to kick on. Um, you know, we've, uh, we're just going to keep pressing on. I don't think Ole is going to, um, he's going to let these guys take their foot off the gas now. I think, no. I think you can see, um, I think maybe none of us have really given him any, enough credit Certainly compared to the credit Lampard gets, who hasn't really done any better, I don't think. Even the credit. Can you remember the credit Mikel Arteta used to get when he got, got the Arsenal job? And because he was like the second coming of Pep Guardiola, there was so much crap said about him in common. Yeah, and, that, and, and, that, and that's not to say he won't do a good job, but it's yeah. far too early to say with Arteta. But, but there was no way, there's, there's no, um, there's no, no one's experienced his so-called managerial excellence. And it's because, it was because of the tag with Guardiola, oh, he must know a thing or two. I, yeah, because forget uh, Ole played under the greatest manager of the modern era. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> years, and, yeah. and also, I, I, okay, I've seen some absolute crazy comments too from one of the, these so-called Manchester United YouTubers, and one of, one of the ones that I think is, is an attention-seeking um, individual, where he came out saying that Solskjaer wouldn't have got the United job if he if he wasn't white. And I was there thinking, like, it's such a massive. This only came out about the last few weeks. I only stumbled across it on Twitter, and it's, 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 it was an Arsenal, wasn't it? An Arsenal fan that said this. Was it an Arsenal fan show? I was pretty it was sure on, it was on an Arsenal fan show, wasn't it? I thought it was an Arsenal fan show. Oh yeah, but I was um, pretty sure it was one of the the United um, so-called United fans that does the YouTube kind of stuff with one of the United YouTube channels. I'm not going to name. Yeah, them. I mean, and it's funny that he says that because he's technically is Mikel Arteta more qualified to do the Arsenal job than Paul Lins? Probably not really. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I know, but I I I think it's a massive. It's kind of a a dig at Solskjaer that oh. He shouldn't have the United job, and I think the timing of it is so strange because he's someone who's doing so well. I, I, I th- and I also think as well. Yeah, just not so- not a word about Frank Lampard, by the way, getting the Chelsea job. Yeah, exactly. Is that not a more of a, of a better? Um, is that not a better one because he he had one season in Championship, they didn't get promoted. Whereas I know Soldier didn't do too much as manager, but he he had a few years. 
managing United's academy teams. He went to Mulder and won the first league, Norwegian league title in 100 years. You know, he had done things. His, his CV was yeah. brilliant. But the, and, you know, don't get me wrong. I was one of the people who didn't think Solskjaer should be the United manager. But he was. United he's, fans he's, thought that. But he's, he's, there's no he's, one that can he's earned, he's earned the chance. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is exactly. what he's saying. He's earned the, 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 the time now for him to go and say, give me the players that I want to go and get. And then I'll build this team. And you can see yeah. he's already been doing, he's already started doing that. You know, where, where, where do um, you stand? Just, just with we touched on, I know it's not United related, but where do you stand with this whole kind of Rooney rule thing they have in America in terms that if there's a vacant job, you have to interview X amount of different ethnic uh, backgrounds, you know, to interview a black yeah. person for a job, an Asian person for a job, a woman for a job, and so on. How, in theory, that's fantastic. In theory, that is great. But how can you implement that seriously when, if you have a, a vacant job and maybe a black person doesn't go for it? Or maybe two people of different backgrounds do go for it and maybe the white guy has a slightly better CV or the black guy has a slightly better CV. It, for me, I don't think it should come down to someone's skin colour. I think No, you shouldn't, but the, the, the whole point of it is, the point that that rule was brought in is that there, it was a way to... Um, because, listen, when you don't have these rules in, essentially the system will just overlook uh, black black coaches. So that the, the, and, 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 and eventually what happens is black players... And black people who you want to encourage to go into coaching because they've got really a lot to offer aren't going in because they think, well, what's the point? You know, if I'm not going to get this job or that, I'm not even going to get a look in for these jobs. So the reason that they brought it in was to basically as a way to sort of encourage them to to go in, listen, continue your career after you finish playing, go into coaching because if you do that, you are going to get the opportunity to, to be interviewed for these jobs and you are going to get a look in. And the point is, and as you've seen this, I mean, I would look at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and say he doesn't have the CV to be Manchester United manager. Simply doesn't. The point is, is if you get in that room, it's what vision can you present about what you want to do managing a football club, right? And evidently what Solskjaer is, is, is offered in the, you know, his caretaker time was essentially an extended interview for the job. And evidently, he offered enough in that time where he could have presented, okay, this, he may not have the CV, but he's the right fit. The thing I've been saying for years is that United have been appointing all these big names as managers, signing all these big players. None of them have been the right fit for the club. You have to find the right fit. And the I thing is that that's going to encourage... I, mean, I think we're a bit of a fantasy. We're a fantasy club in terms that like sometimes what you expect to work doesn't quite work. And I think a little bit what... like Barcelona, I think in, in that respect. Yeah. Um, but I think Barcelona a little bit similar. I mean, if you look at United, there's only really two managers that have won anything significant amount in the club's history, which is quite incredible, really, when you look at the amount of trophies that we've won. But, um, you know, it's a difficult club to succeed at. You're right, it is kind of a fantasy club. It's not that we've not always been a big club. We've been a big club since before the First World War. We were winning league titles. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an odd club to manage, I think, in many, many ways. Um, it's not something like, you know, you say you look at Liverpool, for instance, who've had, like, four different managers that have won, four or five different managers that have won the league and whatnot. It, it's not like, it's not been like that with Manchester United. You, you are right, and I think Barcelona is probably a comparison. Maybe even 
I suppose Bayern to an extent. I mean, I wouldn't have said Hansi Flick would have been someone that's going to make Bayern look considerably better. And yet he came in and they look a better team. Yeah, absolutely. But he's got no real track record as a manager, you know? The difference there was clear this season. Um, Mike, just to go back to United's performance against Brighton. I want to focus a bit on what I what I think is is the mass is the biggest difference from watching United to come back. Are the midfield combinations, the partnerships that are building? Um, Fernandez, Pogba, and I think the star of the show. Everyone's talking about Pogba and and Fernandez, but it's been Nemanja Matic. Matic has been fantastic since the return. His role, yeah. he just he just seems. He seems he's come back rejuvenated, a more polished footballer. And him anchoring the midfield, there just seems to be a lovely chemistry between the three of them, with Fernandez, Pogba and Matic. What have you met of him? He's been excellent. As I mentioned last week, I, I think with just more pace and dynamism around him in the field, it allows Matic to really get on with his game, which is someone that sits deeper. Um, he can kind of get a look at the lay of the land. And, um, you know, I think dictate he's the guy that he's the first guy that gets the ball and will look to send it out to a midfielder or an attacker. You know, um, you know, he is sort of the, the pace setter of the team, right? That's, that's what he is. He's there to do. And yeah, he's excellent. You know, he's now the player that I think we thought we were getting when we signed him, right? And actually the first season we had Matic, he was excellent. Yeah. yeah, he was really, really good. Um, but he's listen. He's never <laughs> made this clear. Matic has never been a quick player ever. There's <laughs> never been the thing with the Manu Matic. That's not his. That's not his strength. There's some similarities I think with him and maybe Michael Carrick. I don't know if he's technically as polished as Carrick no, was, but no. he certainly has a lot of the attributes and does a very similar role. And the other thing is he offers leadership as well. You constantly see him moving people around in front of him directing people, get over there, go and, uh, you know, and you need, you know, it's um, a coach on the field, right? Yeah, yeah. And he offers that, it's invaluable. And um, I don't know if he's been, if he's signed a new contract yet, but I would assume one is on the way because I think Solskjaer likes him a lot. I think the these last few games might have opened up to Solskjaer more than ever that he has to keep him around. Um, Matic has been just just excellent. I think it's top I, class operator. He's a winner. He needs winners. He deserves an apology from me um, because at the beginning of this season, I was very very much on the camp. That <laughs> Not he just finished. you, mate. I think a lot of us. Yeah, that he was finished and that he was damaged goods. And I, but, but I'm still going to say, going into this transfer window this summer, I believe we need a younger player in that position and to start signing them now because. The, the problem I, I've noticed with United in the last few years has been midfield. We're finally have a, have, a, have a better, much improved midfield. We're winning games at ease, like we should be winning games. And then I'm, I think back to the last few years when we weren't. Remember when we had Schweinsteiger, a washed-up Schweinsteiger, mm. Schneiderlin in midfield? You know, it, that, that's a joke. <laughs> I know, in theory, we can't lie. In theory, the season before that started, a lot of people were excited about the prospect of the players coming in. We didn't really think straight that Pep Guardiola was getting rid of Schweinsteiger with a very good reason behind it all. Schneiderlin, I thought he was good at Southampton. He was. Yeah, yeah but was well, it he, he's, he's not. He's not been good. The fit, I don't know what happened with him because he's not been good at Everton. 
either. He's been really poor at Everton. But let's 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 try and, and get to the bottom of this because Lovren also looked good at Southampton at the time. And he arrived at Liverpool <laughs> and was not very good. Schneider then looked amazing at, at Southampton. Kemp United was crap. And then you have, who, who else left? You had um, Victor Wanyama. He actually went on to do quite okay. So was yeah, he, his, his issues have been, he's, his issues have been injuries. That have yeah, I, really, I think he really was the, 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 the gelling part of that Southampton team because we, we got done. Him and I think... Um, uh, I think uh, Jose Font was was really underrated. Font, Jose Font yes. was a much better defender than uh, a much more intelligent defender than than Lovren. Yeah, you know he was the cool guy, the cool head at the back that sort of held everything together. And uh, yeah, I think the fact that probably helped um, Lovren one yard in front of him. You also have someone like Pochettino, who really coach able to cover. You know, you know, was able to construct things to maybe cover around people's weaknesses. I, I just wonder with Lovren as well. He went to Liverpool at probably not a great time, um, and I wonder whether that just destroyed his confidence. Because I remember watching him in the World Cup for Croatia; he was really good. So I don't know what what happened with him. It's just one of those moves that didn't work out. Um, yeah, who knows? Like. Uh, you know, although that's reminded me, we need to buy a centre half, don't we? This. <laughs> I think when the summer comes around, for sure. But um, yeah, it's you are correct. Um, you know, we bought a lot of duds. You know, a lot of duds in the last few years in that midfield. Um, even you know, I liked Ander Herrera, but if you would have said, "Would Ander Herrera get in the first eleven now?" No. But can I say one thing about Ander so, Herrera? Keeping on to him. Okay, he was good and all that. He had his um, his strengths in games. And especially in big games like we're talking about for the remainder of the season. But the, the thing about Ander Herrera is he wasn't making this United midfield better. Um, no, he wasn't, no. And, no, and he's not really playing a lot for PSG either. Yeah, and that speaks for itself. Look at midfield now. We got him out, got better players in. But just before we move on, so another aspect of this game, I had to search to make sure I was okay. I wouldn't get done for libel laws. Um, <laughs> but we were mentioning Dejan Lovren. I just vaguely remembered a tweet during this pandemic in which he kind of showed up as a bit of a, a coronavirus um, conspiracy theorist. Oh God! Yeah, um, he 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 tw- he shared on his Instagram just when the pandemic and lockdown kind of began. He goes, "We will not be censored. We will not be silenced. We will not be stopped." And basically saying like they, he's going to avoid the kind of lockdown at all at all at all costs. You know, this this is where I'm at a line with footballers and social media where some players should not actually have access to their own accounts. They should leave it to the social media companies or agencies. And then the other side of it is I hate the agencies. I want to hear what the players actually think. But for someone like Lovren, stay away from the keyboard, man. Oof. Yeah, yeah, I remember him. Um, I remember him before the World Cup final, basically um, insisting that he was one of the best defenders in the world, and then promptly watching him getting absolutely rinsed by France in the second half of that final, especially Kylian Mbappe just turning him over and over and over and over again. I'm like, best defender in the world. A lot of bollocks. He's not even the third best defender at his club. Yeah. Although this season, I, 
I've spoken to Philippa fans and, and, and they have been saying Lovren has been performing slightly better this, this season. Um, but but would, would you say he's better than... He, but he's not better than... Well, he's obviously, let's forget Van Dijk. He's not even better than Matip. I don't think he's better than Gomez. Although Gomez, Gomez had a bit of a nightmare yesterday. Yeah, he did have a nightmare, but I think... I think he might have been drunk, though. Yeah, Jamie Carragher touched on, on this that Liverpool actually haven't lost a game or so with him in starting lineup obviously last night was the first time and I think I think they can be excused for it although I enjoyed watching the so-called reigning champions losing four and LDC they literally just after winning the title Andy Andy Robinson was absolutely hammered he was still drinking on that day yesterday I'm convinced of it he was all over the place but just before, what we've come to do today was probably preview the game against Burma because I want to I want to focus on yeah. the, the next few games. They're so big to Manchester United. And, yeah. Uh, looking at we're gonna go through all Saturday and Sunday and Monday's games, and the, again, mm. there's some big ones that that kind of um have interest to United. So the first one's Norwich and Brighton. That's a, a relegation contender match. Leicester and Palace. Can you see Leicester slipping up again after their midweek hangover? Yes, I can. Palace, I, I almost feel when you're a bit up and down as well, Palace is just a, not a team you want to play because they're a difficult team to beat, right? And they are a tough team to beat, Palace, you know. And um, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, Dale, Leicester's form has just fallen off a cliff. Like the players don't seem to look interested for what they see. Why? You're in, you're I don't in know. They've got. They've got. This is. This is. This is what I mean. And there's a very good chance that they're going to fall out of the top four completely if they carry on like this. Um, yeah. And Brendan Rodgers has been found out in post-match interviews. <laughs> I think he's a decent coach, I see Brendan Rodgers, but I, I think he's been saying that he's been having to. He's not been happy about the fact that he's been having to fire rockets up the players uh, at half-time. And um, obviously, Jamie Vardy's goals have dried up. I'm not sure how much that's Vardy's fault. If he's not, get, if he's not getting any service, he can't score any goals, right? Yeah. If you um, get Vardy service, he scores goals. And that's, that's right. down to coaching, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's clearly... Um, you look at all the Leicester's really star performers earlier in the season, people like Tielemans and, um, you know, we were talking about Didi as a possible United place as a lot of that. He's been shocking, Dale, absolutely shocking since this is, since they've come back. I heard um, he was drinking with the Liverpool crowd, so I don't want to sign him in the summer. Oh God, right, well, no, no. Taking the Which piss. because he's piss. not going to be getting a move there anytime soon, is he? <laughs> um, next up is United and Burma, three o'clock on Saturday, I assume you're going for a win. You assume you think we're going to continue steamrolling our team, our opponents. It'll be about four 0 this style. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel kind of sorry for Bournemouth. I just think what's happened there is that Eddie Howe's been there for seven or eight years now, or something like that. And sometimes, when a manager's been at a club for a certain amount of time, it just you know it stops working. Um, that's not. It's not to say Eddie Howe's not a good coach. I think he's a brilliant manager, Eddie Howe. I'm a huge fan. I never understood. I, I could never understand when Arsenal appointed Arteta. I was like, they... I mean, I would have, you know, even go back... Like, I like Unai Emery as a manager. But I always thought that Eddie Howe was going to get a shot at that job. I was a bit surprised. I think, I think when, probably... when Unai Emery got the sack, 
Um, Eddie Howe was going through that really rough stage with Burma at the start of the season. And I think a lot of people kind of talk twice about it. But I was on a different podcast this week talking about Eddie Howe. And I was thinking in the future when, I hope even if, if Burma get relegated, this isn't the, the end of his managerial career in top flight because we all know he's a good coach. He's actually a quite likable guy as well. And you'd like to see him Much do better that. than some of the other coaches I yeah, see in Premier League. Absolutely. Who've got bigger jobs. But I'd, 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 I'd like to see him get the Everton job after Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah, I, I think so. It'd be a really, be a really good fit there. Um, I, I look at the job he's done at Bournemouth, and I think could anyone else have done that job that he's done there? I don't think so. But look, look closely at some of the the Bournemouth players this summer if they do go down, because I think the club are going to witness quite a detrimental knock-on effect of being relegated. They're not going to be able to afford the wages of some of their main players. And mm. David Brooks, the right winger, he missed most of the season, the Welsh kid. We were oh, yeah. very closely linked with him. And there was talks of 70 million before the season began of how oh, much it cost. No, it's crazy money. Um, but I, I think <clears throat> with United looking at a right winger this summer, whatever happens with Jad and Sancho, I think that's a player, if they go down, they're definitely going to be sniffing and wondering how much is he going to cost now in this COVID-19, especially market. It's it's a buy, it's going to be very much a buyer's market, I think. Um, you see, yeah. d- during the week, uh, Darpen coming out with idiotic statements before, or during this pandemic saying there'll be no coronavirus cuts for our players. And I just, I just thought the term used was stupid. It's it's not it's not a shopping market where Corona has come in and all the clubs are feeling super generous and you could have our stars for half price. <laughs> no, that's like not a D, like a DFS sale. Yeah, it's not how it works, Dortmund. And then you go on a day or so later, announce your books, and you have a forty-five million pound loss from coronavirus. Yes, I think there's going to be coronavirus cuts, lads. You know, they had a surplus of 17 million euros pre last season. Now they have a loss of 45 million. If they well, also, to- I, I think in terms of Sancho, it's become increasingly clear this season he's keen to move back yeah, to the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah, he, wants he wants to move back to the Premier League. And I think the front runners had, had been... Um, obviously, City, City have an option, I think, on him, don't need to sign him. But I don't know whether... Seems increasingly apparent the circumstances of him leaving Guardiola looks increasingly more acrimonious as it goes along. Although you would think with Sane going, surely Sancho would be ideal for him. But if, um, if you speak I, to people at City about Sancho, I don't think they'd have the most positive of things to say. Um, he's a confident. He's listen. He's a yeah, very very confident yeah. young guy. He's not afraid of putting his view out there. Um, he's a bit of a guy that does his. Does his own does his own thing. I know he got a bit of criticism in Dortmund for going on a few nights out. He's 18, 19 years old. Yeah, what, yeah. what are you expecting to do? Yeah. And it's not affecting his performances on the pitch because he's been outstanding for him. That, that's the big thing. And I want to stress that. It's a good, really good point. If Sancho signs for Manchester United, comes in and does what he's supposed to do, performs yeah. every week, he can go. To, he can go out at the weekend or go out any night he wants. I don't really care. I think there's too much focus, Mike, on what players do off the pitch. And it's like, we have to keep an update. We have to see what they're doing, walking down the street, down Dean's Gate with his pictures, photographers and all this. Like, there's too much. 
Also, I hate I hate to bring this up, but in the context of the situation, I'm sure there's plenty of young white players who go and have nights out, and maybe don't. That we don't hear the of. Same. Uh, I mean, we were talking about Jamie Vardy before, right? <laughs> yeah, Jamie Vardy's notorious for it. He's notorious for it, but no one seems to care. Um, he doesn't have the lifestyle of a professional athlete at all. Um, so I, I, I think it's, it's probably overblown, to be honest. I think some of it... Listen, the bottom line is, the other thing with Sancho, if he, you know, because, listen, Dortmund's a big club, but I still think United is a bigger club and a step up. He might come to United, see the situation, and, um, I, you know, when it, it, it was interesting. I hate to bring up off the ball because it's absolute trash. Shies. But when they did the thing with Gary Neville and Roy Keane, and Gary Neville said some really interesting stuff about when he was at United, and he was talking about um, how the players would push each other on, and and one of the things that gave he said one of the things that gave United an edge over the opposition teams because I remember back in the mid to late nineties Liverpool actually had a very good team but United were more professional about how they approached the things and that was because the players sort of almost egging each other on how fit can you be how much can you push yourself I, I kind of get in an air at United you talk, I talked about this last week about this is the fittest looking United squad I've seen in a long time. Like, they look really, really, like, well-drilled. They look super fit. They look in better shape than a lot of the other teams in the league look right now. And, and actually, I felt did in January and February as well. They looked in absolutely fantastic shape. It had been out there in the press for a while. Look, Solskjaer had really been drilling them hard in the pre-season and the early season, particularly about getting players prepared to be able to do multiple sprints throughout the game. Um, you know, he wanted them ready to be able to, you know, have their um, sort of power and strength endurance ready to go. The fact is, Sancho might come to the club, see all this going on, and a lot of the times he plays, one of the things that's really struck me with Sancho, he didn't leave City for money or any of this stuff. He left because he wanted to play. Even City said he left because he wanted to play and he wasn't mm. going to get that opportunity when he wanted it. So he left and he sought, he sought football elsewhere. He's clearly a guy with big ambitions. And um, I suspect that um, him going to a club where he feels like those ambitions are being pushed, and one of the criticisms of Lucien Favre, brilliant coach that he is, he's not enough of a hard-ass by all accounts, which is why Dortmund have had these lapses and maybe haven't kicked on and pushed Bayern in the way that they should because they just kind of have these games where they fall apart. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Sancho, if he makes a step up to another club where he feels like he's getting pushed, he would actually respond to that in a way that is that is really positive and yeah like you were saying Dortmund can talk about coronavirus cuts all the hell they want <laughs> if a player wants to go um, and they've got a loss on their books then the fact is a club like Dortmund generally make one big sale every summer right mm. so they're going to make a sale somewhere Yeah, where's it going to be you know. He's their he's their main asset. But just, just before we move on to a different game this weekend, uh, Mike, I want to get your prediction for United and Burnham. That's a four 0 I'm sticking for oh, sorry, four nil, four nil, okay. Yeah, I think we're gonna give him a bit of a stuffing, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm I I I think yeah, around probably around the same to be honest. Um Burnham's form again speaks volumes, but I just think 
it's going. It, what's interesting about this game, I think form, Burnham's form goes out the window. I'm, I'm just very interested to see how United go in from a mental aspect of going on this run. And as we've seen with Chelsea against West Ham, they were doing so well and then boom, just dropping the heads and, and West Ham were able to take advantage <coughs> of it. The next game is obviously a really big one concerning us too, Wolves and Arsenal. Um, can Arsenal take points from Wolves? No. No, no, you don't think so at all. Wolves, Wolves are a better team than Arsenal. I, oh, yeah, simple as that. They're yeah. they're a better team. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, no, isn't it fantastic no, I, how I just asked you can 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 Arsenal take points from Wolves? You know, you do think about it. Yeah, and can I Arsenal... just without even hesitating just went no, no, absolutely not. No, no. Wolves are an excellent team with a man with for me one of the best managers in the Premier League as well in Nuno, who I think is outstanding. Um, but just look at the midfields, Dale. You match up Wolves midfield against Arsenal's midfield. And then you also look at the Arsenal defence against Raul Jimenez. No chance. I want to bring it a step closer to just, I know it's slightly off topic, but Wolves keeping on with their squad and what you're saying about them. I think they're a great, great side. I'm not surprised they're up there in the top six competing. No, absolutely the, not, no. The question is, I suppose, if not that there are any Wolves fans listening, but if there are any Wolves fans <coughs> listening, the, the question for you is how long you can keep this squad together, how long you can keep the manager. But what I was going to say, we're talking about nearly comparing the, the Wolves team to the Arsenal team, we agree that the Wolves team is superior. Let's go a little step further to a team that are in the Champions League final last year. Spurs, who are below Wolves on the table, comparing their two teams. I'm going to stick my neck out and say Wolves are probably edged, probably edged with all-round team balance and quality. They have Definitely. it in a number of departments. Um, Especially the midfield. Again, Wolves' midfield is absolutely terrific. I mean, uh, they've got good defence as well. I'm a big fan of, um, of uh, is it uh, Cody, the captain, mm. back. He's a really good player. The guy who's got a full-back, is it Doherty? Doherty? That Doherty. Doherty. He's unbelievable, man. Like, mm. <laughs> the guy's amazing. But you look at him in field, man, you've got people like Martinho, who I think was just such a brilliant signing. I think he cost like five million quid. Yeah. He's such a classy operator in midfield. I think Neves is actually um he's not scoring maybe as many goals as he was in the first season, but I think his all round game as a midfielder, he runs a match, has developed so much. I think he's a phenomenal player, Ruben Neves. Is he a player um, you could potentially bring in and you talk about momentum of a game and running of a match you yeah. also spoke about Matic in a similar capacity uh, yes is Neves a player you'd like to see at Manchester United oh god yeah I think he'd get, I think he'd get into almost any team in the league mm. uh, maybe not Liverpool but I look at City I mean I City's team but can I, can, I say, can I say one thing controversial about Liverpool in the field okay they've won the league at a canter they've been the best team in the league yeah, saying otherwise, but and I said the same thing about the midfield last year. I looked at the midfield, and it's a team. Of gra- it's it's a, it's a bunch of grafters. No, yes, on the midfield, you say like, uh, you look at the Real Madrid midfield, the one Champions League, or Champions League, the Luka Modric, Tony Cruz, technically amazing players who you have on your on your wall. You look up to and you dream about. Yeah, I, I really don't think, apart from any deluded young Liverpool fan. If there's anyone else out there with wallpapers of 
Jordan Henderson on their phone. I know he's had a good <laughs> season, but I think you can appreciate what I'm trying to say in terms of the type of profile midfielders they have. They're grafters. They're not necessarily silky, the most easy-to-watch, flamboyant midfielders, you know? Yeah. He had a little bit... There was a little bit of that... I know they had good... Yeah, it, it is. It's um, it's a strong midfield. Yes. It's, it's a powerful midfield. It reminds me a little bit of the, 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 the midfield, the, the Mourinho's first Chelsea team. Uh, I mean, I know Lampard scored a lot of goals, but I wouldn't have said that they were a silky midfield. Mm. They were a strong midfield. You know, Lampard, Essien, Makaleli. What they did was they did the basics, right? But uh, yeah, I, didn't, I mean, I wouldn't say any Liverpool's midfielders are anywhere near as good as like Kevin De Bruyne. Christ, no, not even close. Or Bruno, or Bruno Fernandes. No, or even Pogba when Pogba's on, like he has been in the last couple of games. I think when Pogba is on, there was that, was it, was it um, that, that pass he played last week? I didn't even see that pass. Was it the one for the, was it for the Maguire goal where he put in yes. that ball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even see that pass. Did you see that pass? No, I came out of I don't know how he saw it. Like, yeah, um, yeah. So no, they haven't got anyone like that. No, and I, and I um, I was I was a little bit surprised. Obviously, they were linked with Timo Werner, and I thought Werner, what they needed, I thought maybe more of what they needed was that extra little bit of something in mid, in midfield. But then again, they had that with Coutinho, and they got rid of him, and they were a better team for getting rid of him. So I, who am I? I'm who not going to argue. What was the guy that they signed from the Bundesliga in January that he was Hater. the big thing? And Cater. Oh no, the Minamino, the Japanese Minamino. player. And I'm sorry, <laughs> this guy came in right, and I was seeing all these clips on social media how he was the second coming of nearly Lionel Messi, and he's come in and he's done nothing. <laughs> no, I, I, it's um, well, that's more I'm of an having... indictment. That's more of an indictment of people hyping him up on the internet than it is yeah, a player. Yeah, or the, the same with I have no question. Yeah, I, I mean. I think Case has had issues with injury, hasn't he? Which has been a problem for him. Um, because I watched, I saw Kater at, um, at Leipzig and he looked like one hell of a player. Um, <clears throat> I think with the Minamino, he, was, he wasn't signed for this season. He was signed for next season and, and beyond. They should have probably so kept him on loan there for the remainder of the season. I, 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 I think them. so as well. But um, they, then again, I remember when we signed... Um, Vidic and Everton, when they came in, they looked like they were all over the place. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> probably that, um, maybe, you know, and you would have looked at that and said, oh, maybe we should have signed them in the summer. But I think maybe the way that uh, Klopp was looking at it is if we can get him in now and we can start bedding him into the team now, he'll hit the ground running pre-season and he'll be ready to go for the season after. I think that's maybe maybe the way that that was, maybe the way that, that was looked at. I could get the logic of both arguments of bringing him in. But, uh, yeah. I, I try not to pay attention to the way people on the internet hype up players when they're brought in. Like, just, just let it settle down first. There's three, three more games I want you to to predict before we wrap it up yeah. against Arn United this weekend. Delay kickoff on Saturday sees Watford travel to Chelsea. Mm. Chelsea, obviously, they didn't expect to drop three points against West Ham. No. What's going to happen here? Watford are, are basically just hovering above relegation. They need points. I don't think it's... A, I know you're talking about teams in bad form, but I really don't think it's a good time for Man United playing Burmout. I know we're in good form. I talk about mm. from Burmout's perspective, and I'm also talking about Watford when Chelsea go and play him because they need points. Yeah. Yes. I, um, 
I really don't. I can't give you a prediction on this game, Dale, because for Chelsea, I know they're their fourth, but they've been quite inconsistent this season. They mm. drop points in games. You think oh, they drop points in those games, um, even at the. Uh, it, it, so it's um, it's not inconceivable that Watford could go and could go and win that game. <laughs> It's really not inconceivable at all. So I really don't know how it's going to go. And um, I wonder whether Watford's physicality is going to pose a real problem for Chelsea as well. It's Especially also played at 8 o'clock. And our game is on at 3 o'clock. So Chelsea will know going into the game. Um, we my... need a pot. So, yeah, Chelsea's, we, we could beat Bournemouth and that would put us in fourth place going into that game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, 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 um, I do wonder, like, I think Chelsea got some really exciting young players, but They've been extraordinarily naive in games this season. I think was it the uh, so you could see it in the champ that first leg of that Champions League knockout against Bayern. Bayern mm. just took them apart. Dale, I mean they they would absolutely rinse them. And uh, I just wonder whether Pearson is kind of going to relish, going to relish really going into this game, thinking, yeah, we could set up in, in a way to sort of really take these guys apart on the counter. Because that, that's the one thing I would say about Chelsea is they're quite easy to play against. You know, who shows? Everyone was telling me how good Antonio Rudiger was. Who shows Andre Yarmolenko inside? How stupid are you? I know, there's been a few incidents since Project reached there and scratched my head. The next game kind of, um, kind of concerns United. It's Burnley and Sheffield United. I think Sheffield United, as we kind of said, have kind of fallen off the gas. Um, one more nail in the coffin, hopefully this weekend with Burnley coming out on top of the air at home. And then on Monday night, we have an interesting tie of Spurs against Everton. Everton, really good win this week. Um, I think it was a bit of a shocker. But Spurs, Spurs are all over the place. I'm going to ask, I know we, we, we spoke about um, Jose Mourinho and we had the last word of Spurs guest on a few weeks ago. And we spoke in depth about it, but... Results are not picking up. The I'm hearing that his feud with Tangai Dembele is getting even more toxic, off the record, of course. Um, but that will probably start hitting the media in the next few weeks. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and Everton, of course, after the win, they'll be wanting to cause an upset. How will you see that one going, Spurs and Everton? I think Everton are going to win that one, Dale. Uh, yeah. yeah. Everton look like, um, you know, Everton doing what Everton doing, which is fine form just in time to win the Everton Cup at the end of the season by finishing seventh. Um, but no, I, I look at um, Carlo's gone in there. I'm, I mean, I know you are as well. I'm a big fan of Carlo Ancelotti. I think yeah. he's a brilliant manager. It just seems like a really nice guy as well. He's someone that players love to play for. And he makes, I actually think he's, I actually think he's almost underrated as actually as a coach. But I think by and large, I know things didn't work out in the end at Bayern. But um, I think, by and large, he makes players better. I don't know, obviously, things went a bit wrong at Napoli, but I don't think the things at Napoli, was that wasn't his fault at all. No, there no. There was a lot going on at the club. Yeah. Um, and I actually think Carlo should have been back to to, um, to, uh, to to sort of revamp that squad in a way that he saw fit. But I think he's a, he's a brilliant manager. One of the things that I've noticed, the big difference we've ever since he's come in, defensively, so much better. Can I you ask know, a question so, on so so much better? And I think I watched them against Spurs' defense is a mess. And you look at like Rakalison, for instance, Rakalison could 
absolutely just a riot on that defence, Dale. And um, uh, one of the other things I've noticed with Everton is sort of the rehabilitation of Tom Davis into the midfield. I, I remember seeing him breaking through under Koeman and he looked yeah. like a really, really good player and then just never got a look in under Marco Silva or um, Sam Allardyce. But, he, he, he's um, a bit of a Jesse Lingard in that team because... A little uh, bit. I think he, I, I, I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm saying it in a, in a positive way because Lingard, as much people can criticise him, he has a role to play in big games. He tracks, he works hard, he chases the ball down, he presses. Yeah, he's more and, of a traditional midfielder, isn't he? I think yeah, Davis. But, so, yeah. yeah. No, definitely. I think so. Um, and, and the other one I forgot to say, Calvert Lewin, who um, yeah. I think is really good anyway. But man, I mean, he's really like Got the you can see Ancelotti's seen him, and it's weird because he wasn't all the prospects that started breaking that came through that particular group. So Calvert Lewin, Tom Davis, Adam Luckman, um, the young kids. Uh, Holgate they have in defence as well. So Calvert Lewin was the one sort of looked upon least likely to really make it. And he's probably um, the it, one if he has a good season next year. He's probably on the verge of a big move. I think. I think if he has, a yeah, strong he's campaign, a, he's a brilliant player. He's a strong, you know, power. You know, he's um he's a really smart centre forward. He's kind of a he's a target man, but he's a really clever target man. You know, he knows yeah. how to move to work the other players around him. I think him and Richarlison have a really great uh, understanding between each other. And um, the way he set it up as well, he's also got Sigurdsson playing as, as a number 10, which is his best position. But he's managed to frame the team around Sigurdsson to get the best out of Sigurdsson, which nobody else had really done. And I, I think they could... Um, I could see them... I could see them sticking to a three-pass Sottendale. This could be... This could be... <laughs> this could be a bad game for Spurs... Good. Especially after seeing what I saw against Sheffield United. Upon reflecting on everything, I've, I've just come to the conclusion that I really think that Arsenal missed the trick in not appointing Carlo Ancelotti. I think he would have been the perfect manager for them. And I thought we missed head. the trick not appointing him several years ago, Dale. From the transition from Ferguson, he would have been perfect, maybe. He's brilliant. Yeah, he's, he's just outstanding. one of the best managers of his generation. I think one of the things that I've always liked about Ancelotti is his adaptability. He doesn't go in. Is, and this is, a, this is a thing that's sort of unique to Italian coaches because of how Italian coaches are taught at Coverciano, the coaching school. You can't... Um, Italian coaches are known for not just having, oh, I have to play this way. People like Sarri are kind of like outliers. Generally, as an Italian coach, you have to be adaptable and fit things around you. That's why I'm amazed nobody's stats up Allegri yet because I think he could succeed. He's a master t- t- tactician, I think, in games. Yeah, and, and Ancelotti is as well. You, you watch the games he played against Liverpool when he was managing Napoli. I think twice he played against them in Naples and twice he got the better of them. And you knew how to play them perfectly. He's, um, yeah, he's outstanding. Great coup for Everton to get him. And... Um, Man, do you think if they uh, if they back him in the transfer market, I think um, you know you look at Arsenal and Spurs, and I think even Leicester City as well. I think they're going to be looking over their shoulders. I think about Everton possibly next season if Ancelotti is back the way that he should be in the transfer market, and I suspect I suspect he will be. Um, yeah, it could be bad. It could be a bit of a bloodbath that Spurs Everton game. To be honest, Dale, I really. Because I thought the Sheffield United one 
they were free up. They were cancering Dale, Sheffield yeah. United. They were absolutely ca- they could have won five or six. I think if they really had it about them. But I think, um, yeah, it's uh, it's. Ooh. I mean, I could have told you it was going to go wrong at Spurs. Joe yeah, I, I think I feel like he up. was appointed purely to satiate Daniel Levy's ego. Seems to me, but in the long run, potentially crush it again in a few months' time. You know, it, it, I I, th- I think it's going to get toxic between between Mourinho or really. Um, uh, but, he'll he'll be gone midway through next season, though. Yeah. I don't think you know, so. He's, he's, so. He's he's gonna, and look, uh, we look, should be picking the bones of that squad. No, a hundred percent. With the players that that still have something, a few a few of them, I think their their best days are have gone. And I think Pochettino seen that too and wasn't been given the job to, to to make amends to it. But we're looking at the predictions going into this weekend. It sounds like Manchester United, from Mike's predictions, will be in a stronger position again. And fingers crossed because. I think Wolves are kind of keep are piling that pressure still on us. Chelsea and Leicester obviously putting the, the, the gas off. And I would not be surprised come at the end of the season, it's Manchester United in third and Wolves in fourth. I think looking at the teams it's, that are in form. Yeah, it's very, so tight. Very possible. It's so tight, man. And, um, you know, I think... Um, and it was the same, you know, I, th- I just think Wolves and United look better built to build that momentum going into the running. More solid teams. You could see that the two of them have um, more clear-cut starting 11s, whereas you look at Leicester, whose players are just looking disinterested, and I look at Chelsea, and there's still so many in certain areas in the squad, in the midfield and the defence. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they just look they just look more solid. And, and uh, Wolves have got a, a toughish run-in. I think Sheffield United away, they've got Everton to play as well. And, uh, you know, Burnley's not going to be an easy game for them. But um, Wolves could be... Wolves, a little bit like United, Wolves against top six teams are always really good. The, the problem was beating the teams lower down, but it seems Wolves are starting to get to grips this season with beating the teams lower down the league. No, absolutely. And hopefully... Um, this this weekend, like I said, results go away and we get closer to that Champions League spot and we can wrap up the signs that Solskjaer wants. So, Mike, until next week, stay safe. How can people follow you on social media? Yeah, so first and foremost, follow the uh, the Twitter account for this podcast. So, um, it's, uh, is it, uh, I believe, at MUFC Podcast? Is that what it comes out on? Is it the Twitter handle? Or just search for the straight cash. You'll find us on there. And then me... It's Mycroft uh, underscore Holmes. Uh, there'll be another um, icons of Old Trafford on the way, sort of following in the class of 92 vein. It's going to be Paul Scholes this week. Um, so just kind of beginning with recounting the story of his um, re-emergence from retirement, like out of nowhere at the Manchester yeah. Derby FA Cup game, um, which was, I remember, <laughs> I remember that started, that news, that literally that news didn't start coming through until about an hour before kickoff, Dale. Yeah, the players, um, the teammates are like, well, what's going on here? <laughs> what, the, what the fuck's he doing here? <laughs> yeah, so look, we're, we'll have um, we'll have all this. This podcast will be available, of course. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, be on our Patreon too. And you can, you can subscribe and become a member on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Strehi News. We leave it up to you how much you want to donate to help support the blog, the podcast and the YouTube channel. Um, this will be going out. We'll have another podcast Monday and again next Thursday. And hopefully, 
the positive vibes remain. See you again soon. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.